Chapter 12. Listen. The Treasure Trove. Woke up feeling some kind of way. My body needing sexual play. No partner. It'll go away. I'll go on about my day. But feelings linger demanding time, so I relent and pin this rhyme. The channel angst in words and lines till my release will come. I used to push these thoughts away with hours of running practice and weights, a perfect figure I obtained till pregnancy ensued. Married life is great for sex. Whenever, wherever, nights, no rest. I miss all that unfettered access, all that unmitigated bliss. But things go wrong with health and such. Years pass with barely one hot touch. Divorce becomes a state of mind. A new lover I must find. My first was a jewel oh so rare. Sex plentiful without a care. Passion extraordinaire. Like I'd never known. 43 and now I learn I squirt. Role playing and tantric work. Toys become sensual dessert. A multi-orgasmic was revealed. What else have the years concealed? I had bad sex the first time too. One minute man, I never knew. How my understanding grew until I reached today. My body still craving release. These words were fun, but nothing ceased. Wish you were here to me unwind. My pleasure spots to seek and find. But likely the most erotic thing today will be my words upon this page. I finished the poem, was reading it. My phone rang, which was strange. It really hadn't rung much for a month. Hey, stranger. Gatsby. Where's your wife? I'm not married. It didn't work out. He paused. He didn't know how to ask if I was involved, taken, married. He didn't want to hear the answer. I wish I could tell you how this conversation went, but I can't. I don't know what was said, how it was said, or who said it. I only know that we ended up in bed again after almost a year apart. Backtracking a little... July through November 2018 had been a whirlwind, summer school, open mics, and then a life-changing opportunity, a request to organize a recurring poetry show at a local venue. A plethora of research followed, a DBA, a name for the business, the show, a logo, a flyer, booking artists, a DJ, and then a show every week. Dating the young lion, my kids, my grandson, back to the nine to five, not dating the young lion anymore. Stress. Open mics were my release. The show was an even greater release, and sex was always my go-to when I was involved with a man, and now I wasn't seeing anyone, hence the poem. And like clockwork. Like he was tuned into my pheromones from across the city, like Batman responding to my silent bat signal, Gatsby called. I'm an artist, not a scientist, but I think there is a theory that explains his call, This was beyond think of someone and they call. I didn't think of him consciously. The last time he crossed my mind, I was washing my hands of him for good. Never going back. Betty Wright had nothing on me. Yep, Betty Wright said it best in After the Pain. I may not have written a poem about never taking him back, but I told my sister, my friend, San Antonio, Mo, whoever would listen. And I didn't and don't regret that reconnection. If someone asked me how we ended back in bed, I would have said... The muse was the love of my sane life, and Gatsby was the love of my insane life. For the muse, the first. I never knew I'd log them. They'd be etched into my mind. I thought they'd follow their owner like a video on Rewind. But they pop up unexpected, make me smile a time or two. 
And though I have moved on, some days these firsts seem new. The first time he walked up to me, the first call I received, the first kiss, first date, first trip, first plate, a dinner cooked for me. First necklace, first ring, first gift for my home, the first time my car was detailed, the first time I brought him home. They pop up when I hear a song and sometimes in my dreams. They pop up with a favorite meal, a movie that I've seen. I rarely feel nostalgia. I embrace the present time and I never feel these moments wasted even though he's no longer mine. My life so richer, almost complete. Through all the firsts I've seen, I'm lucky, blessed, so fortunate, no regrets it seems. Not a moment wasted, each packed with the best. Good memories, lessons, growth, reflection. These first made me who I am. In all my intricacies, I embrace all the first to come. Venga, my destiny. When it comes to Gatsby and me, words like why just don't compute. We just are. There was an inevitability about us. Like we had lived before And we're just living out a script written for us, taking our places, reciting our lines, donning and removing roles like costumes. When we were together, time ceased to exist. The mind quieted. There was only breath, sound, smell, motion. Our movements fluid as waves in the ocean, crashing, breaking, cresting, flowing. They became one flesh was not enough to describe us. We became one heartbeat, one current, one soul. Brown skin. Up against my brown skin, I don't know where yours begins, I don't know where mine ends. Indy, I recrooned as we melded, but no music could compete with ours, so her melody faded away, just like the laws of physics. We contorted like circus performers, our bodies boneless, our limbs more flexible than at any other time in history. Afterward, he played in my hair. I stroked his chest in silence. There were no words. For what seemed like hours, days, weeks, we floated, weightless, suspended. The world could crash and burn, and we would not have even noticed. Slowly, we came back to ourselves, once again re-inhabiting our bodies. The dream state, waking state, meld, receded as reality came back into focus. Usually, I would rise on one elbow and begin to trace his perfect eyebrows, play in his goatee. He would open his eyes, mocha brown and gorgeous, smile and ask, what are you thinking? If he asked too soon, I would shake my head, my brain still stunned in the silence, having no syllables, consonants or vowels to wrap around the ecstasy that was us. If he timed it right, I'd normally say, wow, or gorgeous. And he'd laugh, a warm honey of a ripple and wrap that bare arm of his around me and pull me closer, kiss my forehead. He'd say something sweet back I missed you, or I love you, or something deliciously erotic. That day he asked what I was thinking, and I said there was no reason I should have talked to him, kissed him, slept with him, to which he said we always come back to each other. True. Disturbingly true. You should be with me, he continued. Maybe, probably. We tried it, and it didn't work. Nothing changed. You stood me up again. I shook my head. It was old news, so old I didn't want to know why. It no longer seemed to matter why I'd slept with him not knowing why, so why ask now? How do you feel about me, he asked. I laughed. When? Right now? I feel great. When I'm no longer sex high, I might hate your guts. But you love me. I love you. I shook my head. What did that matter, love? 
I loved both my ex-husbands when I divorced them. Love was not what I made decisions on. I can't talk to you, not now. When we're together, I feel too much. I'm not thinking rationally. Just tell me you'll be with me. Be with you. Yeah, I mean, you call me and end up in bed with me. What more do you want? I am with you. And I don't know why or how this happened. How did it go from you being gone to you being here? From planning to never speak to you to spending an hour making love. You have too much control over me. I can't say no to you. You say no to me all the time. You said no to me since 2015. My mouth has. My body obviously hasn't. And I said yes to you once. You dropped the ball. I was scared of getting hurt. I didn't think you meant it. You always pushed me away. Well, now I don't trust you. You don't trust me. You trusted the muse and Harley. And where are they now? I'm here, but you don't trust me. Why are you here? I love you. I think we'd be perfect together if you just let us be. You don't want me with anyone else. You lost your shit when you thought I was getting married. Yes, I did. What was that? I don't know. I felt you owed me. I was tired of taking losses. The idea of another loss, especially one you caused, just drove me crazy. All the chances I gave you, the times I forgave you, it had to count for something. It had to pay off. Chances you gave me? You broke my heart. I stood you up. I think I'm the one owed, not you. But I don't even think that way. I just want us to start over. I've forgiven you. Do you forgive me? I'm mad at you. For what? For this. You were supposed to stay gone, not call me out of the blue. I don't have any defenses against you. Why do you always talk like that? Defenses. I owe you. You can't say no. You made things this way. You said we couldn't be together, but let me make love to you. You said I wasn't what you were looking for, but called me when you needed advice, a shoulder to cry on or a man to hold you. I was your crutch, your security blanket, your rebound after the muse, after Harley and now. But you never let me truly love you. Everything you just said is true, but you were a mama's boy with no boundaries, always on the road, stood me up and with the fence, our relationship Dramatic air quotes here. You totally dropped the ball. When I met you, I knew what I had to offer a woman, but you made me doubt myself, made me feel insecure, made me feel like I was good enough to sleep with, but not good enough to love. At this point, I was crying. I never meant to make him feel that way. The last thing I wanted him to feel was cheap, used, hurt. It was so many years ago. It was hard to remember how things started. Did I do that? Was I the reason? I'm sorry. And I'm still mad. You made me feel cheap standing me up. I feel stupid every time I listen to one of your excuses. I feel gullible, naive, and embarrassed when my friends or family find out you're back. I think it makes me look desperate. And I felt so rejected, so shut out that you'd come to my home, but I'd never been invited to yours. I mean, do you know how many guys, strangers have invited me over, but not you, not my lover? Do you really think I want to have memories of you there in my living room, my kitchen, my bed, and you not be in my life? I already see you in my head. I don't want to see you in my home too. It would just make me want you more. Just make this in-between shit harder to do. That made sense, and yet it pissed me off. Why couldn't I just replace him with someone who didn't make me crazy? Didn't stand me up, didn't disappoint, someone whose size and job I was comfortable with. But I admired him. He was patient, 
a good listener, nurturing, calm. He had never once lost his temper with me or even raised his voice. And sometimes he had so much hope for us. It was contagious. He almost made me believe we could be. I kept leaving and he just kept bringing me back. Why are you here? I demanded if I did all that. Why not leave me alone? I was gone. We were done. You reached out to me, not the other way around. I can't let you go, ever. I miss you. I crave you. You did all that. But you're amazing, fascinating, the sweetest, most nurturing, strongest woman I think I've ever known. You're eccentric, exquisite, and so goddamn beautifully sexy. I could wake up happy lying next to you for the rest of my life. And the way we make love indescribable, irreplaceable. I never want another woman to touch me. The compliments took my breath away and I was crying, sobbing, weeping in his arms, fighting not to, not succeeding. Stop. You just make me cry. I don't want to cry anymore. I don't want to hurt you anymore. I never meant to hurt you. We've done so much damage to each other. Yes. But you've also made me feel more love than I ever knew was possible. You love me for me, just me, just my thoughts, my personality, my interaction with you. It wasn't good enough to commit to, but the way you looked at me sometimes, I've never been looked at like that. The way you listened to me, just letting me talk as long as I wanted. He ran his hand over his bald head down his face and stroked his chin. You never had to tell me you loved me. It was in every glance touch, kiss. It was in your text and your calls and the sweet messages you sent me just because you know it's true. He had a point. Several, in fact. And he felt like this after almost a year apart. But none of these revelations change all the bad history, all the bad blood, the broken promises, the mistrust. How could I ever truly love Gatsby? Even writing this brings no closure. There is no 2020, aha, no certainty. I should have done this or that, which I can give you wrapped up in a crisp bow. To me, Gatsby was unreliable. To him, I was wishy-washy. His actual nickname for me when he talked about me to his friends. To him, I was textbook indecisive, telling him we couldn't be together, but still saying I loved him, as he said, in every touch, kiss, gesture. To him, me sleeping with him, or even the time when I said yes to being his woman, meant we could and would eventually be together. To me, those things were unrelated. I'd loved both my husbands and the young lion when I'd ended those connections. Love doesn't equal compatibility, and it doesn't equal a healthy relationship. Was he naive for expecting that love meant we could and we would be good together? Was he a hopeless romantic? I nicknamed him Gatsby after all. I couldn't be angry that he had an irrepressible, though totally unrealistic hope. And it wasn't wishy-washy to me that I broke things off when he stood me up. He said when I'd agreed to a relationship, he hadn't actually expected me to say yes. And I expected him to jump in with boyfriend actions when I trained him to see me as merely a sexual partner, someone he didn't have to be consistent with stay in contact with, take out. He said expecting a seamless transition on his part was unfair and unrealistic. He couldn't change that fast. Well, then why even keep asking me for commitment? I replied. He said he hadn't meant to, but by the time I agreed, he had already given up and he couldn't accept that I had suddenly changed my mind. While on one level, I understood. On another, it sounded like total bullshit. 
He got what he wanted, what he asked for, and flaked was still etched in my mind. To me, Gatsby was the person I reached out to, hoping he would come through, but expecting him to fall through. His word meant nothing to me. When he came through, he was the best. But he fell through enough for the saves to seem like Hail Mary's. I soaked in the tub a long time that night, wanting to wash away the conversation like I washed away the residue of our lovemaking. My phone rang again. I didn't even want to look at the caller ID. I answered blindly. A voice from the past startled me, one I would never forget, his African accent deep, mesmerizing like a lullaby from the motherland. Mystique. The next morning, I called my co-host, rattled off about 23 show titles, ideas for promotion, artists I planned to book. Suddenly, Kay was silent. Kay was never silent. We sometimes talked over each other, in fact. Her voice, an animated exclamation point, ended my sentences. I stopped. Ah, shit, she said. What? You? What about me? You got some. I burst out laughing. And not just regular dick, the good shit. I laughed harder. You're always creative, but this? This? Nah, this is next level shit. Sex magic. You ain't got to tell me shit. Whatever it is, I'm down for it all. It will be simply legendary. Bye, sugar. She hung up. Sex magic. She was joking. She was still right, though. I'd seen a book with that title, never read it. In ancient times, I'd heard there were priests and priestesses who had sex rituals, heros gamos. Their couplings were said to bring good luck, good fortune to the tribe. I was buzzing, my fingers, toes, hair. If I could look with a blue light, I imagined myself glowing like Bruce Leroy in The Last Dragon, able to catch a speeding bullet in my teeth. Invincible still from the sex magic Gatsby and I created. In my mind, I went back to the previous night. Energy rushed into my body at just the memory. I sat transfixed, lifted, feeling as if I was levitating. They say that one atom smashed against another in just the right or wrong way creates atomic energy, enough energy to bomb Hiroshima, enough energy to power a small city. We were those atoms, smashing, colliding, and now I was that city, powered indefinitely. Sex magic. My brain aflame. Creativity unleashed, energy unbounded. I thought about his desire to be with me, his desire of building a committed relationship. I didn't think it was possible, humanly possible. We collided, then departed, dispelling the energy we created over days, weeks, months, years. Could we survive extended contact? Could we eat, sleep, function? Heroes Gamos wasn't a daily thing. People were initiated for years, preparing them for it. Their minds, bodies, souls, spirits, fashioned for the union, the release, the magic. We stumbled on this, accidentally creating magic, our own pheromonic spell. Ancient, modern, untamable, unquenchable. That was why when he called, I answered. When I called, he came. He was my priest. I was his priestess. I breathed in, the energy still building, ebbing and flowing like the northern lights. I pulled it back inside me, shook my hands, arms and legs, and picked up the phone. My intuition had always told me he wasn't right for me. Maybe it knew that together we would create this type of combustible chemistry, intensely passionate but chaotic. 
I wanted to even search soulmates online. I got results on twin flames and karmic relationships. The last one seemed to fit us. Addictive passion, red flags, drama, growth, life lessons. The internet said these karmic relationships never lasted. Still, they always altered each partner and made them face their karmic debts so they could evolve. Well, I had owned up to my part last night. We had created a cycle. He wanted to continue, but as much as this energy and creativity were incredible, I doubted I wanted to pick up the disappointment and unmet expectations that seemed to follow our continued involvement. And it seemed the universe was giving me a choice, the clearest one I'd ever seen. After I was washed and clean and rested, Mystique had called. He had seen me, he said, in a meditation. His ancestors told him I was touched, blessed, spiritually gifted. He wondered if I would change my mind, be celibate with him for a while, date him only, see if we were destined to walk this path together. He said he had never had a woman appear in his mind when he was meditating. He thought it was important. And I thought the timing was uncanny. I had apparently performed sex magic and he saw me in his mind and was told I was spiritually gifted. If Gatsby was my karmic mate, one I could never be with, who was there just to reveal my shit and make me deal with it, then what was Mystique? My soulmate? Another dead end? A friend? Well, first things first. I had to deal with Gatsby. Whatever he wanted to begin, I needed to end. Quickly. Without much talking, I didn't need him using the voice. I dialed the phone and waited. He answered. I've got a question, I stated. What? I heard you last night about not wanting me at your place, but I still don't understand. What? You say I broke your heart. You don't want memories of me in your place. Still, you know, me thinking you're lying about being self-sufficient is a major reason I never wanted to be with you. You could dispel that with one visit. And you know that one day, I'm probably not coming back. And you could take away one reason I have for leaving, but you refuse to? That doesn't make sense. You think too much. Oh, I hate when men say that. To me, it always means women are not supposed to question. Just take men's BS and run with it. I also hate that I always get told this after saying something a man said didn't make sense. If a woman's too emotional, her thoughts are discounted. But if she's absolutely logical, she thinks too much. So I'm supposed to invite you over to prove that I have a place. Not, not just to prove that, but yeah, baby, I'm grown. I don't respond to ultimatums. I don't feel the need to prove myself to anyone. You either believe me or you don't. Fair enough. I don't usually believe in tests, but I'd given him one last chance to prove he'd change and he'd failed with flying colors. He'd made this easier. I told him that our hookup had been a mistake. There was too much bad blood, too much fucked up history. He was hurt. Again, but also angry. Said I was used to men doing whatever I asked. and I was a control freak, as most teachers were. Asked how I could move on so coldly when the bed was still warm. Said if he were a stranger, he'd get a chance. And I gave my husband's too many chances and him not enough. This time, I was sure there was no coming back, ever. He had borne his heart to me and that hadn't been enough. But after almost a year apart, did he really expect it to be? He hadn't come with bouquets and gifts and a slew of apologies. He had made love to me and given me pillow talk. Pillow talk I was sure was real, but that didn't mean anything about him, about us had changed. And I had reached my limit of replaying this merry-go-round with him. 
He had a chance to show me something different. Open up. Give me more than pillow talk, dates, and great sex. He could have chosen to share his home with me as I had so often with him to reciprocate. He didn't. Lesson 12. When words and actions don't match, listen to the actions.